Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good to hear as I continue to preach. I hear more and more engagement when I ask that question, so I am thankful for that. Um, If I don't know you yet, my name is Graham. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance, and uh, I'm really glad to be with you guys here today. I'm excited to see what God's Word has for us uh, for today. Um, I want to begin by asking you guys a question. Uh, My question is this. Who here has, has ever listened to someone that you probably shouldn't have, right? Has anyone ever listened to like some bad advice, someone, for, you followed someone maybe you shouldn't have? Maybe that was like a friend that gave you bad advice. Maybe you were like learning a new language like French or English and someone like, someone was like, hey, you should say this. And it was like super inappropriate, but they're just trying to like get you to, to like say something bad. Um, maybe you like joined an MLM because uh, someone said that was like a really good idea. Uh, maybe you went through like an Alex Jones phase or you're still in that Alex Jones phase. You're like really into conspiracy theories. Uh, no judgment, right? It happens. Um, but we've all listened to someone that we probably shouldn't have listened to, right? Um, this week, my wife was telling me a story about when she was a kid. So uh, she grew up on a Hutterite colony. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's like kind of like the Amish. They have secluded kind of colonies. And so when she was young, she, uh, she had the responsibility of like looking after some of the younger kids. And what they would do, the older kids, they would play this game with the, the younger kids. They would play the rhyming game. Um, and my, my daughter right now is at that stage where she loves to sit down at the t- kitchen table and do the rhyming game. And sometimes it gets a little bit dangerous, right? Like you rhyme some wrong words together and you end up with a, a bad word. And that's what these kids were doing. The older kids were getting the younger kids to play this rhyming game. And uh, so they would, go, right, they would go through the alphabet and they would say, hey, why don't you rhyme this word? I'm not even gonna try and entertain your minds there. Um, but they would ent- eventually find a, a cuss word. And of course, these younger kids, they're like too young to even know what it means. Um, but as soon as the, the younger kids would say this word, like the older kids would like rat them out to their parents, which is horrible. <laughs> Uh, They made them do it and then they ratted them out. So yeah, sometimes there are people in this world and in life that we should not listen to. Um, Today though, what we're we're looking at though is Jesus's claim that he is the good shepherd. And what we see through our text today is it demands this question, are we listening to Jesus? And we're going to explore what do our lives look like when we listen to Jesus. And so, um, yeah, that's what I want us to explore today is the question of why we should listen to Jesus. Um, Our main point for today is this. Jesus offers abundant life to those who listen to his voice. Jesus offers abundant life to those who listen to his voice. 
Um, If you're new here, if this is your first time, we as a church have been going through a series in the Gospel of John. Um, If you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, the the Gospel of John tells the story of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so what we've titled this series is I Am, and we have the subtitle of Who Jesus Says He Is. And because in it, what we're doing is we're exploring just that. We're exploring who Jesus says he is. And what we see throughout this book is that Jesus, he makes many claims about himself. He makes all these claims about who he is. In fact, um, uh, the the, the claims that he makes point to who he is. And, And not only that, not only do his claims point us to who he is, but the miracles that he does and the stories that are told about him tell us about who Jesus is. So throughout this book, what we see over and over is people in his day, they're wrestling with this question, who is Jesus? Um, And so that's what we are exploring in this series is who is Jesus? More to that point, we're we're told the purpose of the book near the end of of this book in chapter 20. Um, It says this in John 20, it says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so that is our hope in going through this series, is that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, that you would have life in his name. And so I hope and I pray that we would find that true as we explore our text for today. Um, I'm gonna begin by giving you a little bit of context of what we're walking into for today. Um, first of all, we're gonna be, be in chapter 10. Uh, our chapter begins with Jesus saying, he, he starts by saying, truly, truly, I say to you. So it's, he is in the middle of a conversation here. So we need to begin by asking, who is this you that he is talking to, right? We, we, he, he's saying, I, I say to you, and so we need to look back a couple of verses before this in chapter nine, and we will see who Jesus is talking to. It says this in, in verse 40 of chapter nine. It says, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see your guilt remains. And that's how chapter nine ends. And so this is a continuation of this conversation here with the Pharisees. Um, If you're not familiar, the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They were not huge fans of Jesus, right? Because he often confronted them on their self-centered piety, right? So the Pharisees, they were very good at looking good on the outside. They, uh, they, they, were look, they, they looked like they adhered to all the law and they did all the right things, they said all the right things, but they neglected the true heart of the law and they failed to love and to serve those who were in need around them. And so this, this instance here, this is an instance where Jesus is having a challenging conversation with the religious leaders of his day. So we're going to read our, our text for today. Again, we're going to be in John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and we're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 21. It'll be on the screen if you do not have a Bible. Here's what it says. 
This is Jesus talking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf scatters them and uh, snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to, t- to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray and we will uh, get into our sermon for today. God, we thank you that we can be here today. We can be here and we can worship and we can hear from your word and understand more about who you are. Would you speak to us today? Would we have ears to listen to you? God, would you bring more and more sheep into your sheepfold? Uh, Would we be followers of Jesus? God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, What we see in this text here is there are two claims that Jesus makes about himself within this parable um, that he shares. So two things that he says. First, he says, I am the door, right? I am the door. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. So I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And so I want to explore these uh, in our text today as we go throughout uh, our sermon. Let's begin, though, by, by um, uh, going through this conversation here with the Pharisees. So verses 1 to 5, very beginning of our text here, Jesus tells us this figure of speech of the sheep and the thief and the door and the gatekeeper, right? He talks about the sheep hearing his voice, and the, the, the voice of the shepherd and listening, but they wouldn't listen to the voice of a stranger. And so the Pharisees, they hear this, but uh, they don't understand what he's saying. And so Jesus elaborates for them 
beginning in verse 7. It says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So let's start by looking at that first claim. I am the door. Um, First thing I want us to see here is that Jesus is the only way into God's family. Jesus is the only way into God's family. Um, This is essentially the same claim that we see in John chapter 14. This is a little bit of maybe of a more familiar verse. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you try to enter any other way other than through me, you are a thief. But if you enter through me, you will be saved. So you can enter in either one of two ways. You can enter through the door, which he is saying, I am the door, or you can enter by climbing in through another way. Um, I don't know if you've ever been locked out of your house before. Who's been locked out of their house? Yeah, a few of us. Um, It's probably one of the worst feelings that I've ever had, and it actually happened to me this week. Um, It was Skylar's first day uh, of school, and I forgot something at, at our house. So I um, I had brought her to school. I forgot something, so I had to. She, I didn't just leave her there. She was with my wife. Um, I, I ran back in to, to get what I forgot, and I get to the door. I open the door, and I put my keys down. I look for whatever I had had forgotten, and I left the door, locked it, and I did not bring my keys with me. And uh, yeah, so I, I was going to have to to like climb in in through my window. Um, uh, luckily, like there was a, one of my neighbors was able to like let me in, so I didn't have to do that. But it was not a very enjoyable feeling. It, like you're really frantic, and you're like, I gotta get in. I'm not, I don't know how I'm gonna get in. Melissa had to work at like right after when we got home, so I was like, I better get in quickly. Um, and yeah, but uh, here's the thing with that: anyone who so so, so if you come to my house and I let you in through my door. You are a guest at my place, right? No one comes, I do not ask anyone who comes over to come through the window, right? That doesn't happen, um, thankfully. Um, But you have access to my house because I let them through the door, right? And if I see someone who I don't know crawling into my window, right, we're gonna have a serious problem here, right? Um, Because you don't have the right to be in my house. And I can only assume that you are there uh, to take something that does not belong to you. And similarly, access into the sheepfold or God's family comes through putting your faith in Jesus. The front door of the church is through Jesus. This is the only way in, and those who try to enter in another way are not welcome. Um, If you're here and you are not a Christian, though, let me be clear. I am not saying that in order for you to be here today that you need to be a Christian. I'm not saying that to be with us, you need to be a Christian. Um, That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, In fact, we are happy that you are here no matter where you are at. What I am saying, though, is that to belong to a part, to be a part of God's family, you must put your faith in Jesus. He is the access to God's family. Um, today, it is, it is fairly common uh, thought, both by religious and non-religious people, uh, that God's acceptance is based on being a good person, right? If I'm good enough, then God is going to accept me. Uh, that is simply not a biblical idea, 
right? Your access to being a part of the church is not based on what you have done. It is based on what Jesus has done on your behalf. And so whether you have had the best week in the world or the worst week in the world, your access to becoming one of God's people is by going through Jesus. It is by saying, my greatest accomplishments are not good enough to earn God's favor and my biggest failures aren't enough to lose God's failure, favor. All that matters is that Jesus has done enough on my behalf and so I am choosing to turn from my sin and live like Jesus by his spirit. Jesus is the door to the family of God and he is the only way into God's family. Next thing we see in Jesus' claim to be the door is this. Those who enter through Jesus will have abundant, abundant life. Those who enter through Jesus will have abundant life. Let's look at what he says here in verse 10. Jesus says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus, he does not only claim to save us from the thieves, he claims that he will save us to abundant life. I was listening this week to a pastor named John Piper, and he put it this way. Uh, he essentially said this, he said, what good is being saved if you are just saved to safety, right? What is the point of being saved from something if you are not saved to something? So if we were, were just saved to live a, a meaningless existence, that would not be a life worth living. So God does not save us simply to live a cautious life where everything is bubble wrapped and we cannot touch anything. No, God saves us to abundant life. And so we need to ask this question, what does this abundant life look like? Abundant life is delighting in God and his will for your life. It is trusting the voice of the shepherd Jesus to know what is best for you rather than relying on your own ways to try to find life. Abundant life has nothing to do with having an abundance of stuff. It has nothing to do with seeking out instant gratification. It has nothing to do with just loving yourself more. Some of those things, they're fine things, but they are not the abundant life that Jesus offers. The abundant life that Jesus offers has everything to do with having the fullness of Jesus. Abundant life is found in the satisfaction that only Jesus can provide. It is when God changes our desires for living for ourselves to desires for living for him. It is the eternal joy of following Jesus to the satisfaction of God the Father. Jesus offers abundant life to those who listen to his voice. If we look back at John, right? Jesus, he then flips this, this metaphor on the Pharisees, right? So he first, he claims to be the door. Next thing we see that Jesus claims to be is the good shepherd. Uh, we see this in, in verse 11. Here's what he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. And immediately after, he tells us what makes him the good shepherd. He says this, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Um, so Jesus gives us abundant life by laying down his life for us. He gave up his life 
so that you would have life. This is what he's telling the religious leaders that he's going to do. He says, I am going to die for my people. That is how much I love them. I'm going to give up my life so that they can have abundant life. I'll read this from from Romans. This is what Paul writes um, to the Romans. He says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would would dare even to die. And he says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how the good shepherd loves his church, enough to die for them. And this is the picture that we are getting of Jesus, a selfless God willing to give up his life for those who listen to his voice. So the good shepherd gives up his life for his sheep. What we see, though, is that this, uh, this, is, this is what provokes the religious leaders. Um, not that he's going to give up his life, but let's read what it says in verse 17. He says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life. He says, that I may take it up again, right? No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Jesus He claimed that he was going to lay down his life and then pick it up again. And this is what the people are arguing over, right? It is one thing to to say that you're going to die for someone. I mean, it's another thing to say that you have authority to pick it back up again. And this is what provokes the religious leaders because this is an insane claim, right? Jesus claimed that he had the authority to resurrect himself from the dead. This is what we see in verse 19. This is the response of the people to that claim. It says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? You see, the claims of Jesus are insane if they are not true. Because what do we believe as Christians? We believe that God came to earth we believe that God, that God who came to us is Jesus Christ, that he was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus lived a sinless life, that never once in his whole entire existence has he sinned. Um, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that on the cross, God's wrath was poured out on him for our sin. We also believe that Jesus was buried in a tomb and that after being dead for three days, he rose from the dead. We believe that after he rose from the dead, that he appeared to many people and then he ascended into heaven. And we believe that if you admit that you are a sinner and truly put your faith in Jesus to make you right with God, then God gives you his very own spirit, the same spirit that that raised Jesus from that dead and that spirit empowers you to live more and more like Jesus every day. And that is utterly insane, unless it is true. Unless this really did happen, then Jesus is insane for saying he could do this, and we are insane for believing him. And this is the tension that we need to wrestle with, because Jesus doesn't leave room to sit on the fence here. Either he was insane or he is God. Someone who claimed to be able to raise himself from the dead is not a sane person if he cannot do it. That person 
you should not put your faith in. But in fact, Jesus did raise from the dead. Uh, this is recorded in every one of the Gospels. I want to read this from 1 Corinthians, though, actually. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, whom, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Jesus is alive and he has the authority to offer you abundant life because he proved that not even death can defeat him. He lays down his life and he picks it up as he wills. This is Jesus, the good shepherd who laid his life down for his sheep and picked it right back up, who knows his sheep, who protects them and who offers them abundant life. And all we need to do is enter through the gate that is Jesus and listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Um, if you are one of his, then you will hear his voice. You will listen and you will follow him to an abundant life of knowing God. And if you are still wrestling with the question, why listen to him? Because his offer is abundant life. So if you are sick of trying to earn favor with God by trying to be good enough, if you are tired of constantly being let down by living according to your own rules, if you're sick of the empty promises of finding joy and life in the things of this world, then listen to his voice. And Jesus, the good shepherd, will give you abundant life. That life is being connected to the source of all spiritual life, God himself, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life willingly and took it right back up by the authority of God the Father. I want to ask you this today. Are you listening to Jesus, are you following him with your life? Are you pursuing the things of God or are you pursuing the things of this world? Follow Jesus means to listen to his voice. And when we do that, he will provide us an abundant life. And so is Jesus insane or is he God? And that is something that you need to decide. But those who are his sheep will listen to them, to listen to him as he leads them to an abundant life here and for eternity. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you that you sent him to live the life that we could not live. We thank you that he died on the cross for our sins. When we have pursued other things other than you, God, you died for us as we were still sinners. And when we put our faith in you, God, we have eternal life, an abundant life of knowing a personal God, knowing Jesus Christ who laid down his life for his sheep. God, you raised from the dead. You showed your power in that. And God, that same power lives in those who put their faith in you. Would you empower us today and through this week that we would turn from 
living uh, and listening to the, the things of the world and solely focus on you and your son, your selfless life. And God, would we love you more and more every day because of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world. 